Well, everybody loves to quote John 3.16. Perhaps that's even why we rejoice this Sunday, is because we hear that wonderful gospel verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not die, but shall have eternal life. It's a very comforting passage. But when we remember just that line, we're remembering it a bit out of context. When we read it in context, that line, it should probably inspire a little bit of fear of God in us. Remember, fear of God is a virtue. And sometimes we try to talk around it and say that it means something else. But it's vitally important that we recognize that God created the universe. God makes the rules. What he says is what happens. It doesn't matter what our opinions are, whether we like it or not. The only thing that matters is the truth given to us by God. And the truth that we find in today's gospel is a warning. It starts with Jesus saying to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if we remember when Moses lifted up that serpent, what was it about? The people of Israel had just fallen into idolatry. Days, just days after promising to God, that they would be his people and he would be their God. They worshiped a golden calf. They began to practice these abominable practices of the clans and tribes around them. We see this again in our first reading today. The same actions, the same sin committed by the same group of people Chronicles tells us, in those days all the princes of Judah, the priests and the people, added infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of all the nations and polluting the Lord's temple, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. He uses the word abomination. That's more than just simple idolatry. When it becomes abomination, it's so much worse. And I'll spare you the details because there's kids here, but it's pretty bad. And so the children of Israel, both in Moses' time and in the first reading today, received a punishment from God. Because when you partake in abominable actions, you've got to recognize there's consequences. God even tried to warn them. He sent his messengers. He sent prophets to them. But the people didn't listen, and instead they hardened their hearts, just like Pharaoh did against the children of Israel in Egypt. They hardened their hearts. They refused to repent. They refused to turn to God. And so the Lord's anger against his people blazed up beyond remedy. And so those who instigated these things, who said, let's go worship a golden calf, those in the kingdom of David who said, let's go worship these false gods, they lost their lives generally. And the ones who were saved are the ones who eventually repented of their wickedness. And this action might seem a bit drastic to our modern sensibilities, but these abominable actions didn't just make a mockery of God. And many times it was actual worship of demons. That's bad. That's really, really bad. 
And so allowing such acts would eventually destroy Israel and harm it irreparably. But since God swore to protect his people, he had a duty to get rid of these influences in one way or another. His people eventually had to be purified. And so when Christ says that the Son of Man must be lifted up, we got to remember that context because he's implying that the same thing is happening again in the time of Jesus Christ. People are turning to bad practices. They're turning away from God into other things. But he also says that he's lifted up so that all who believe in him have eternal life. Because if you look at each of these scenarios, after the people return from their practices and go back to following God, he restores them every single time. In Moses' time, after those influencers are gone, he leads them to the promised land. In the Babylonian exile, after the years have passed and the people are purified of their idolatry, he brings them back home every time. God desires us to look upon his only begotten son nailed to the cross because he wants us to believe in him. He wants us to repent of our sin and all of those things that draw us away from him so that we can have eternal life, a gift greater than we can imagine. He wants us to flee from the condemnation that sin earns us. And that is condemnation because if we go further in the gospel today, it's 3.18, I believe. This is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but the people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might be, not be exposed. That was the reaction to this love of God sending Jesus. So when we read John 3.16 in its context, it's a slightly different story. God the Father sent his Son to us out of his great love to save us from ourselves, to present to us this great gift of eternal life. And we, humanity, rejected him. That's a rejection that means we deserve death, really. But God's love overpowers even that rejection. There's nothing that he cannot do. And so we read in St. Paul today that God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. Despite all of this rejection, Christ still invites us to join him in his resurrection. And we do that when we're baptized. When we are baptized, we die to this world and are reborn in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is so critically important because in baptism, we put away the darkness and we become children of the light, the very light that we hear of in the gospel today. And we begin to be able to finally follow the truth. As children of the light, we're called to allow God to burn brightly within us. In the ritual of baptism, we have the Easter candle. 
and there's a candle for the child or the adult if you're an adult getting baptized. Sometimes I forget that we do that on Easter because I haven't had a normal Easter as a priest yet. Oops, COVID. All right. We have a baptismal candle and we give it to the godparents and the parents and we tell them, keep this light burning brightly within them because we have to have the light burning within us so that we can show us to those around us so that God's works can be seen through the light that burns in us. We're called to show the light to those who are still in darkness, who've never encountered God. We're called to give the light to those who live in darkness because they've extinguished the flame within them, to bring those who've fallen away back. That's why we have that light within us, to show it. There's a lot of things we can do to help that light grow, to help people see it. But prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are always the most straightforward ways to get there. Each of these things is essential. All of them must be done. We must actually pray. We must actually give alms, give of ourselves. We must actually fast, and I mean actually fast from food. Many of us struggle with that idea. It's not so common these days unless you're on some sort of diet. And I know that some people have medical situations that make it impossible, but for the vast majority of us, fasting, actual physical fasting, is essential. Saint Basil the Great wrote that if all were to take fasting as the counselor for their actions, nothing would prevent a profound peace from spreading throughout the entire world. And then he later says that abstinence from food is insufficient for praiseworthy fasting. So we start with food, but then we also fast from vice. We fast by controlling our tongue, abstaining from anger, distancing ourselves from lust, from evil speech, from lying. Even those who cannot partake in the physical fast can do those things. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving helps that light to shine brightly within us. Today is Laetare Sunday. It's a day of rejoicing. I know it hasn't sounded so much like that from me yet, but it is a day of rejoicing. We rejoice because the works we have undertaken this Lent have begun to show their fruit. They've begun to bring us closer to God. That is always worth rejoicing. And so as we enter this final time of preparation before we celebrate the victory of Christ over death, let's continue to be ever more intentional and ever more vigilant about turning ourselves toward the light of Christ.